This is Geek Gab with your host, John and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, June 16th, 2017. And we are going to be discussing The Incredibles 2 and some other stuff. But first, we uh, are going to go to our correspondent in the field, John, broadcasting live from the Origin Games Fair. How are things going? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Well, you know, it is what it is. Well, I'm hanging out here. This is uh, Origins in Columbus, Ohio. And this is the Vampire the Eternal Struggle Room. We're on a lunch break here for the second day of the North American Championship. Uh, so that's why everybody's still friendly and talking to each other. And as many of you know, this game just came back from retirement. We're getting new cards printed. And uh, the tournament this year, we had 50 people at Origins. And I'm just going to walk around a bit. Anybody watching you on to, YouTube can check out my feed here. You need to rotate your phone like can you hear me 90 okay? degrees sideways. Because you're up on the side. What's going on, Daddy Wolfie? You're tilted. Like, everything's up on the side. You need to rotate it 90 degrees to you one want direction. You want that? You want, the, you want the wrong way? You want portrait mode? No, it's, it's on the wrong way right now. Portrait mode. That's what oh, how's the chat? Is, do we have anybody in the chat? Yes. There we go. Are, are, they were telling me that I was doing it wrong. Okay, okay. For anybody who's never been here to Origins, it's a big show. And I know that there's plenty of drama associated with the show and what happened this year, but I'll just give you an idea of what's going on here. Here's our dealer room. It's huge. It's massive. Tons of stuff. I haven't actually been in it. I've just been hanging out playing vampire with these guys. Now, was there anybody excited about the, the reprints? Absolutely. I, we've been seeing new decks. They released the new reprints in time for them to be legal for the championship. So we've been playing with all the new cards that they've been uh, printing for the past couple of years. It's a really exciting time to get back into the game. Is there anything that non-Vampire the Eternal Struggle people would find uh Interesting or fun at Origins? Well, absolutely. Origins is a massive gaming fair, and it's where Gen Con is the classic Dungeons and Dragons convention. This is a board game convention. You've got Munchkin, you've got all the big board game companies, you've got all the big card game companies, plus all the RPGs you want to play as well. Uh, so it's it, 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 their main focus is board games, but they have everything else that you might expect at uh, this kind of gaming convention, like authors, anime, video games, role-playing games, all that stuff. Even Magic the Gathering, of course. It's sad that with so many people that are having so much fun that such a tiny, tiny fraction of the people who attend there uh, are such assholes that they get great people booted. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, I wanted to duck into the author booth and say hello to the Mountain What Writes, but I'm available. I'm not attending this year. That's too bad. 
what can I say? If you want this sort of, uh, if you want this sort of convention in your area, and, and this is what makes it really tragic, right? Because for a lot of these people, a lot of people who are here this weekend, especially from the area, this is their big event for the year, right? This is this is their summer vacation. They say, finally, it's time for me to go to the convention, the Origins, and play with my friends, have some games, buy some new products, meet some new friends, right? This is a great event for people, and I think it's a shame to shut people out for politics or one reason or another. Uh, for, for what it's worth, I've survived three days at the Vampire Tournament as one of three people of my political persuasion, but we're all old friends who've been playing the game for a long time, so no troubles there. I can't say the same for the rest of the con staff, what you're going to do. And now this is the first time that a member of Geek Gap has actually gotten credentialed as an official member of the press. This is pretty good, right? Let's see what we got here. You see that? Yeah. Geek, Geek Gab Press. That's why we're live here. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to say before you kick off for lunch and the rest of your tournament? Actually, I'm so glad that we had this break here. It was a pleasure to drop in and give you all a report live from the floor. I do have to sign off and get some food and get ready for the next round of the tournament. So wish me luck, everybody in the chat. We will talk to you later, man. Have have fun. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. All right. <laughs> that is Dorno reporting live from the floor at Origins. Our first venture into the wide world of live reporting. I want to thank Dornall for taking time out of his busy day to uh, drop some video into our show today. Um, I have uh, I have to discuss the Incredibles too. And I say have to in the sense that if I don't discuss Incredibles 2, there isn't all that much more to talk about on the show today. People don't seem necessarily, and as members of the audience, you don't have to be understanding. I'm not saying this is an obligation. But people don't seem to understand that as a podcaster, as a blogger, as a person who spends way too much time on Twitter and other social media, the primary challenge isn't honing your ability to communicate interestingly and effectively. The primary challenge is to have something to talk about. So that when your deadline comes due, you have a subject in mind on which you can opine. Because if you don't have anything to talk about, if you just want to blather, 
on and on and on about nothing. Then you are in the wrong industry to be a podcaster or a blogger. What you're looking for in that case is either YouTube star, games journalist, or CNN news reporter. Blathering about nothing, that's your career path. So I am not going to be blathering about nothing. I have Incredibles too. I have fully, and I counted twice, one sentence of comments about The Incredibles 2. I saw it yesterday. I went to the theater, paid good money to see it, so I could talk to you, my fans, my correspondents, my friends, about The Incredibles 2. Like every other Pixar movie, but in just so you know, we are moving from the introduction portion of the podcast to the discussion portion of the podcast. Just, I want to make that clear. We're not moving into the discussion. The preliminaries are over. They're done with. Like every other Pixar movie, Incredibles 2 has a short before it. A five, seven minute little mini film made by various people. A lot of them are really quite entertaining. I liked Day and Night about the two clouds that existed in, or the two ghostly beings that existed in different times. Um, Bounding had a fun little song associated with it, little story about a sheep. Uh, sometimes you get, and I don't know, uh, some of these they made, uh, don't actually go out in movies, but you can check out these shorts. Pixar regularly puts them out. Um, they have one about, I believe this is a Pixar short, about two islands who are falling in love. It, it, they're charming and they're touching and they're not very involved. The one in front of Incredibles 2 was pretty good. It was whimsical, it was charming, and it was touching, and it was not very involved. Um, it deals with a touch of magical realism. It's about this Chinese lady who is making, uh, or maybe Japanese, I have to apologize. I believe it was Chinese based on the letter and the names. It might be Japanese. If I've gotten that wrong, I apologize. It is not malicious. She's making some dumplings, right? Little circles of, of flour, you put food in them, steam them until they're cooked. Well, as she's about to eat the final dumpling, it comes to life. And she has a, uh, uh, she raises it as a child. And it's interesting and it's fun and it ties into some bigger issues. And I liked it. It was charming. It's a bagatelle. It's not something deep. It's not something involved. The one thing that struck me, though, and I hate it. I have to tell you this. I hate the fact that this crossed my mind. It, it's a movie about or, or short about Asian characters. And there are three main characters, two of which have glasses. 
And the only thing I can think of is if this movie wasn't made by someone who's Asian, people would be screaming about how it was cultural appropriation, despite, as I've said, it being charming and small and, and a bagatelle and interesting and, and entertaining. Despite that, they'd be screaming about how evil it was to be appropriating Chinese culture. And the other thing was, because these two characters were wearing glasses, they would scream about how racist it was. Again, absolutely ruining something that is just meant to be delightful, that is just meant to be a joy. Now, I admit that being overly aware of these issues um, itself kind of ruins some of my joy at watching this little film. Even when you're not one of these uh, screaming psychopaths, even when you're just a normal person and you're trying to watch a movie, just chill out knowledge of them, if you've had to, you know, waited through this for a long time, can even ruin your enjoyment of it because you're thinking, not of the movie, not of being swept away, but it just occurs to you what their angry, bitter reactions to it would be. And I'm, it, it saddens me that so much of our response to popular entertainment today has to be conditioned by, even in the rejection of these people, the knowing rejection of these people itself colors your experience. So they win anyway. And that's something I'm going to have to, I don't know what I'm going to do for myself. That's something that in anything I create in the future, I don't want to be changing what I create I, I hate people who change what they create to appease to these people, but even changing what you create or knowing what they're going to say might affect your own creation process, writing, drawing, making music, whatever. And that kind of concerns me sometimes. I want to, in the future, make my own stuff, whatever that is, role-playing games, stories, whatever, without regards to these people at all. I don't want to think about them at all when I'm writing my material either pro or con, reacting to them or not reacting to them. I just want to make what it is in my heart to make pure creativity, heartfelt creativity, without being forced into this rigid framework. Um, and, I, and I wrote some tweets on Twitter the other day. I'm not going to read them now because I don't have them prepared. I wrote some tweets on, on Twitter the other day about creators, specifically in this case, writers. I was writing them to the um, Pulp Revolution uh, you know, subcommittee on Twitter, the hashtag, subcommunity, sorry, subculture on Twitter. Um, and my recommendation for people who are creatives is to knowingly and deliberately strip themselves of artificial rules 
that they may have picked up, that they may have acquired over the years about what good, what not what good writing is in the sense of grammar, necessary description, punctuation, so on and so forth. Um, but they should know or they should learn what, like uh, the Bechdel test, right? The Bechdel test says, well, as a creator, you're sexist against women unless you have two female characters who are discussing something that doesn't involve a man. Anything like that, anything arbitrary, anything intrusive, anything um, that has been imposed from the outside, take it, strip it from you, so that when you write, you're not writing about this. You're just writing what's in your heart. Um, so here, let me, uh, I just found the tweets while I've been talking. I've been doing a search on Twitter. Uh, multitasking for your benefit. Um, so I want to I read these tweets because I thought that even though it didn't quite perfectly encapsulate what I wanted to say, what actually came out, what I actually ended up saying is worth hearing and thinking about. So good stories, I'm quoting myself here, are innately appealing. They give us what we want or need in our fiction. They require no intellectualization to be appreciated. You don't have to write an essay to appreciate a good story. You don't have to write a book proving why it's a good story to appreciate it. No intellectualization is required. You can just appreciate it for what it is. that Those elements which make for a bad story have to be intellectualized and rationalized because we have an innate aversion to them. Some free advice to writers and any other artist. Listen to all the advice you want about the mechanics of writing, punctuation, description, etc. the mechanics of art, the mechanics of music. Learn your musical skills, learn how to play your instruments, so on and so forth. But as soon as other people begin giving you advice about the personality and psychology of characters, tune that right out. People are just going to give you bad advice and make you self-conscious about your writing. You'll constantly be trying to make your stories fit their requirements instead of writing from the heart. Most of that writing comes from critics anyway and is probably useless. Critics usually have an abstract, intellectualized vision for a genre or medium. Often they deem the work for not following, quote-unquote, the rules. Issue abstractions and intellectualizations. Issue rules about what people you need to have in your story or how people need to act. Write from the heart. Every writer has a unique understanding of humanity, a singular vision of what people are and how they act. Or maybe, you know, maybe you need to write characters who are very, very close to normal everyday people. Or maybe you're writing an adventure story and don't need mundane, boring, realistic characters. Write from the heart and not from a checklist. It's the only way. So take some time to really think about how you approach stories. Think about what you think a story ought to be. Discover what rules you've adopted over the years and strip them out. Throw them right away. 
Rules and checklists kill spontaneous vital writing. Especially if you're aiming for pulp speed, you don't have time to check off each and every step of a checklist while you're writing. Practice writing, identify weaknesses and, and eliminate them, and then write from the heart. It's the only way. So I think that the person who made this short, this tiny little film, was actually writing from the heart. And my reaction to it, which has been conditioned by years of fighting on the front lines of a culture war, ruined partially, in some part, not the whole thing, my enjoyment of the film. And so my advice to myself and to other people is it isn't necessarily a good thing when you're watching a TV show or movie to be too sensitive to cultural warfare issues. It is a good thing to cultivate moments where you can experience joy. Joy and enjoyment lift you up. They lift your burdens from you. They make you better able to withstand the vicissitudes of life. And as an audience member, putting aside culture war issues can result in more moments of joy for you. Don't let the angry, bitter people ruin your appreciation of something that is harmless and good fun. At the same time, or along the same lines, while you're writing or painting or whatever, don't let the bitter, angry people affect your art right from the heart, create from the heart without regards to anyone else, either rejecting their opinions or accepting them, strip out these intellectual things you may have learned along the way and create something good, create something moving, create something exciting. And that's the best way to reach an audience. And audiences are far more likely to love what you write if you do that. All right. Moving on um, to Incredibles 2 itself. And this suggestion, this critique of criticism, of your own ingrained reactions, um, also applies to Incredibles 2. Because it was a fun movie, had an interesting plot, they introduced some interesting supers who had cool powers uh, and were cool characters. They had personalities. They had, they weren't flat, they weren't cliched, they didn't fit into stereotypes. And these interesting supers with interesting powers used them in interesting ways. It was enjoyable. Instead of the fights that were there being straight up slugfests, where one hero pounds another and the other pounds them back, they had um, fights where or action scenes where the characters used their powers in ways that were not directly expected and that made them more interesting 
than slugfests typically are. And so you can tell that the people who made the movie put a lot of time into thinking it out, put a lot of time into creating these characters and how they how their powers manifested and how they could use them. I appreciated that. Most of the movie is enjoyable. Most of the movie is exciting. Most of the movie is worthwhile. Kids will love it. And I enjoyed most of it. The there were a few moments that I did not enjoy, but I think looking back on it, it was because I was overly sensitive to culture war issues. There were a few moments of um, the you go girl female empowerment, which can in other places or in other stories be uh can ruin a story can ruin a movie it did not ruin this movie and it was small enough that it was mostly insignificant and incidental this is not a movie written with the notion in mind to be a propaganda film. Now, I understand that there's a lot of people who may disagree with that, and they may have reams of reasons and good reasons to disagree with that in their minds. But once again, my recommendation is do not let every day and every hour and every minute of your life become tainted by the bad guys. Don't let the bad guys ruin what could be a moment of joy or excitement or enjoyment. Don't let them ruin your life because the more joy they steal from your life, the better they're doing. They're winning even if you're rejecting them. When a work is worthless because it's been so poisoned by political propaganda masquerading as entertainment, it's perfectly fine because the work in and of itself isn't enjoyable. It's tawdry, it's crappy, it's worthless, and you can criticize it and you can talk about the cultural war aspects of it. But if the movie is primarily joyous, fun, and this movie, to, to venture into culture warfare territory, it talks about or revolves around the notion of a nuclear family coming together through adversity, growing stronger because of adversity, supporting each other, caring about each other, loving each other, tolerating each other, even when they have disagreements. And the main secondary character, who's this guy who loves superheroes, in the Incredibles world, superheroes are banned, are, are banned, excuse me, by law. They're forbidden. You are breaking the law if you go out in a costume and stop crime. Well, the main secondary character wants to change the law. He wants to bring supers back. And 
he does so because as a child, he was introduced to supers. His father loved supers. This is not a spoiler because it's given up pretty up front in the movie. His father had two phones installed in his home. He was a wealthy man, a business magnet, that were direct lines to two different heroes. Um, Gazer Beam, who made a kind of an oblique appearance in the first one, and someone else, Pyrotic, I think, or Phyrotic. Um, criminals broke into his house. He called the two superheroes, and they didn't come. It was right after the superheroes had been banned. This man, this secondary character, genuinely loves superheroes. And he genuinely loves superheroes because it ties back into his memories of good times with his father, his memories of good times with his father and mother, and um, that whole notion of family being of critical importance runs through this movie, as it did through Coco, the previous Pixar movie. So, yes, you could go on the warpath about the few moments of seeming or actual third-wave feminism in the movie. But one that would give your enemies a victory because you're ruining your own enjoyment of something that can be enjoyable. And two, you would be blinding yourself to the level of craft on display in the movie, the level of thought and hard work put into writing and, and you know, pre-visualization storyboarding the movie, and the very real and touching themes that are in the movie. And so tying back into what I was saying before, you don't have to do that. And every time you do do that, the bad guys win. Enjoy what is enjoyable in life. Moments of joy are rare enough that you should treasure them when they come. And you should live your life. You can't force joy. You can't force happiness. But you should live your life in such a manner that you are tilling the earth, so to speak. You are setting yourself up for joy so that it is more likely to happen. Moments of joy are more likely to occur. And you are more and you are better able to experience them and appreciate them when they happen. Live your life so that you can receive moments of joy when they occur. If you're, for example, angry at yourself because of a past mistake, or you're overly hot on mistakes you've made earlier that day. Every time you let anger at yourself or frustration come to preoccupy you, you are 100% putting up a force field that repels all moments of joy because you're so concentrated on being angry at yourself, being angry at other people, whatever. You are not living your life so as to maximize the opportunities for joy. If there are things in your life that are making you miserable, that are ruining your ability to receive and appreciate and savor moments of joy, 
rethink how you're doing them. Even if they're good endeavors, even if you're doing good in the world, rethink how you're doing that good so that you yourself in your own personal life can be, can receive happiness when it happens. Because here's the thing. If you care about opposing people who make culture small and mean and uh, hectoring, lecturing, tawdry, boring, and dreary, if you are interested in opposing that, that is a good and noble ideal. But oppose it in such a way that it doesn't ruin your everyday life. And by taking time out to savor what relaxation and happiness may come your way, you will actually be better at opposing it. If you want to oppose things like that, live your life in a lighthearted manner. Live your life so that you're not burdened by things and you will be better at opposing them, at opposing the bad things. You'll be better at being an example towards other people of how to live their life. You'll be better at doing everything you need to do because that will help you lift these burdens off your shoulders. Life is full of burdens. That's what it is. We are blessed that we can put those burdens down for a moment when we are engrossed in a movie or story or novel or, or a beautiful piece of music or spending time with our loved ones. Don't ruin those good moments by taking up your burdens unnecessarily. It is good and noble and decent to have time where, you're where you lay your burdens down and enjoy living because they will always be there after. Take time to be happy and you will better be able to bear your burdens afterwards. All right. Now, obviously I did not talk much about The Incredibles. It's a Pixar movie. It's well done. I enjoyed the vast majority of it. It's got a lot of interesting things in it. They do a lot of interesting things with the characters, with the notion of this superhero world. It's not as good as the first one, but that's because it has the burden of kind of expanding the world and uh, making things bigger and bringing more elements. So it's a bit more confused. It's a bit more cluttered than the first one, I think, is the, is the best way to describe it. The first one is a story that is pure, that is direct, that is easily understandable. I hope uh, it looks like maybe some technical problems came our way. We'll see. Anyways, I would recommend going and seeing this movie. Thanks for... Uh, Thanks for tuning in, folks. This is Geek Gab, Saturday, June 16th, 2018. We're talking about The Incredibles and uh, also a live report from the Origins. You can find us on youtube.com slash geekgab. You can find us on the Google Play Store. You can find us on...
the iTunes store, and you can find us on soundcloud.com. Just do a search for Geek Gap. Thanks for everybody tuning in. We had a great show today. We appreciate all the comments in the uh, all the comments in the discussion. We are leaving you for today. We are signing up. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.